banter on the board with your hosts matt middleton and kevin rayner where the banter's as ferocious as scotty barnes rookie of the year my friend we knew it was gonna happen and i am absolutely ecstatic that it did come through the kid put on a sensational rookie of the year campaign he was the you know still active in the playoffs guy so he was the thinking about me now so maybe that's potentially why he'd won over the others at the end but hey Let's talk about Scotty. Let's talk about how awesome he is because we are amped for this kid. We're amped about what he's doing and rookie of the year deservingly so. Absolutely. And you're you're right that there is some recency bias there. You know, Evan Mobley goes down in the last kind of couple weeks of the season. They don't make the playoffs. We surpass them. We kind of took everything away from them. You know, they were in the playoffs properly all season. Then we did that. And then they had the rookie of the year favorite all season. And then we take that. Um, it's It's nice to see for scotty though man he really deserved it i like that vince carter introduction to him um i love the energy the passion him crying tears of joy because it meant so much to him it it's a testament to who he is as a guy and the fact that the whole team was that excited for him is just money man i was super pumped to see the video vince going off but Stoudemire, come on, man. Wearing a Boston hoodie in the video? What are you doing, man? Be better than that. He is their that. assistant coach. I he get is it, their assistant Come on, coach. man. Be better than that. This is the Toronto Raptors moment. We don't need that. But let's move on. We'll talk about Scotty more. We'll talk about the Raptors more because our season is alive. What? But hey, getting ahead of myself, let's talk about takes. Let's talk about how the Pelicans let me down by losing Game 3, but somehow took Game 4. They've made it a series. So I'll take that L with the little baby W to follow you. Follow it up. Man, uh, I can't believe that they ended up taking game four the way that they did. Um, Chris Paul not looking good at all. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more. But, hey, man, that's a series right now. And I am i can't be mad that my prediction was wrong, man. I was so down in the dumps about the Raptors. I was so upset about what I was seeing after game three. And I really thought that that was our game to get back in the series and I thought after that you know we were just gonna pack it in go to Cancun you know Turks and Caicos wherever but hey man I am I'm happy that there's basketball so I ain't gonna complain about that the boys kept it alive but we'll get back to it we'll bring it up later lots of Raptors chat to come but we gotta get the rest of the world out of the way before we get into the to the playoffs that we've been loving so much some exciting times in the NHL Austin Matthews with a history moment yeah, man. Uh, he's the first guy uh, since Steven Stamkos back in 2011-2012 to score 60 goals in a season. Um, most goals in a season since then, and Alex Ovechkin 65 back in 2007-2008, becomes one of 21 players in only 40 seasons to ever have hit 60 goals. And the kid didn't even play a full campaign. Um, it was so funny, though, because, like, he was at 58 and then went five games scoreless and the, all Toronto media is going, why did he score? Why did he score? It's like, guys, everyone's going to go through it. Like, he's a machine. He got there. And, hey, man, your boy predicted it earlier on in the year that he was definitely going to hit 60. Matt knew that Matthews was getting there. It was, it was all in the cards. We were always just waiting for it to happen, and it finally did. So pretty exciting. We'll see. What, there's a couple more games left, right? But we can maybe I think get a there's just more? one game for every team playoffs are basically set man um but you know 
we're talking about basketball. We're talking about the Raptors, really, on this podcast. Um, I do want to mention that our Blue Jays are in first place as well, though. Uh, let's go, Blue Jays. First place in the American League. Uh, the National League's a different thing, but they got some weaker teams out there that they're beating up on. You know, I was chatting with my grandma over the weekend, and, you know, she's a huge Blue Jays fan, so I was like, aren't you excited? And she's like, yeah, you know, it's good, but they're just boring, you know? There's, no, there's nothing exciting happening. It's just it's just boring. And I was like, hey, well, hopefully that Bobachet Grand Slam is more exciting for you, Grandma. Pretty pumped for the guy to get his first Grand Slam, and they eked out the victory 6-2 against the Red Sox. So hopefully more of that to come while staying on top of this division. Get- blown out last night but hey we're gonna forget about that we're gonna move on to some playoff basketball because man there's just so much to talk about in the nba uh you gonna kick it out west my friend i mean i have to bring it back to my prediction talk about this series that we've got going on because pelican suns game six is happening tonight matt wow what a i couldn't imagine saying these words last week right you know Yes, Booker going down is a big deal, and apparently he might be coming back for Game 6 or Game 7. I haven't heard anything yet. I'm going to probably check my phone now randomly just to confirm that we haven't seen that he's back, but it's become really interesting, you know. CP3 stepped up to keep this series alive, but man, I got to talk about my boy, Big Science JV. The guy had 26 points and 15 rebounds in Game 4, a career high. I'm glad this series is alive, Matt. Dude, JV's been really good. I mean, besides Game 3 where Aiton really got him um, and had a big monster game, it's it's kind of been JV over Aiton at this point. I mean, he is the veteran. He is, you know, a little bit more savvy, and Aiton's still a young guy, so I bet you Aiton develops past him. But, man, I, I the best player in the series for me has been Brandon Ingram. This guy's been on a mission most games. He's been pretty efficient getting there. Um, and CJ McCollum's been a great partner in crime for him um it's i'm really shocked that you know phoenix is even here mikhail bridges had to have a massive game five for them to win that game um huge shout out to him and cp3 man this is a huge legacy series for you and he's kind of coming through i mean he did mess up game four but he's coming through it's been so interesting right and you know, we, we see Jackson Hayes getting ejected, showing his anger issues still are not resolved. You know, th- there's been so many different ways that this series has swung. And I also have to shout out Herb Jones. You know, this guy has been fantastic. I think I talk about him every week, Matt knows. But the Pelicans are fighting, you know, and, and we like to see that out of an eight seed. We like to watch a team thrive and do what they're doing. And yeah, if Booker was playing maybe this series would have probably been wrapped up at this point. The guy could have put up 50 points. We know that he's capable of that. But until he comes back in game six or seven, we have to talk about what we're seeing. And what we're seeing is Brandon Ingram going off. CJ McCollum, who apparently wants to stay and retire. These are the words that he's been saying in the past few days about the Pelicans. Hey, maybe he's, you know, drinking that Jugo juice of what's going on. But exciting times for Pelicans fans that they're still alive right now. Dude, that and the fact that Jose Alvarado's been really great on defense he's given cp3 cp3 fits i mean two eight second violations by cp3 in the past two games crazy um wild absolutely wild for you know one of the greatest floor generals of this generation but also nba league history um the pels are fighting for it man they don't feel like a scrappy eight seed who is really the 10th seed um 
it's it's great for them, man. I I think that they have a have a really good shot at you know pulling out a, a game six or game seven. We'll see how it goes. I mean tonight, I think it's tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah, game six tonight. You know the Pelicans are at home. I have a lot of faith in them, man. If they can keep their momentum chugging along, I think they can pull it out. And Phoenix has, you know, they've got that opportunity with Game 7 at home. You know, they can come into this game and try to steal one. But if not, they've, they've still got that safety blanket, right? So regardless, it's going to be an interesting seas- series to see how this thing closes out one way or another. Even if it is a blowout by the Suns tonight, the Pels have proven that, you know, they're here to stay and they're going to be back next year with a vengeance. And I don't expect it to be a blowout at all. No. Um, and especially, like, you know, you talk about Devin Booker not being in the series. Zion Williamson is not in this series, so what are we doing, right? If Zion <laughs> was in the series and Booker was in the series, I think they'd still be in a similar position. So um, it's been a really, really tight fight, and it's been one of the better first-round matchups um, of this year's playoffs. I mean, that and out west with the Grizz and the Wolves... I really didn't think this was going to be tight, man. I thought the Memphis Grizzlies were going to be easily able to walk over them, but they've had to have some pretty great comebacks in order to get this 3-2 series lead. Man, I was on a seesaw with this series. Because on the one hand, I was like, you know what? I could see this going the full seven and being super exciting. Then the other side of the seesaw was me going, man, John Morant, this team, what the, what they've proved over the season, they're, they're just going to go through. It won't go the length. But then Ant-Man decided to show up. Cat has a big, big, big game finally to show up, right? And it takes a John Morant dunk last night to bring the arena back alive. It takes Cat shushing the arena and then losing the game on a jaw buzzer. Be like, it's taken so much for the Grizzlies to get over the hump of this Wolves team, and it's definitely been more exciting. And I thought this was potentially the most exciting series, but it's been more exciting than I thought it it's would be. Crazy to think that. Memphis as one of the deeper teams in the NBA as the second seed might not have as much talent as Minnesota which is wild Minnesota just makes such big mistakes like just rookie mistakes almost I know you know Anthony Edwards hits that huge shot to hit the three and then goes for a steal on the final possession of the game man no you try to get it to overtime. You lock him up. You don't let him get to the basket. That is what he's best at. And then he hits that unbelievable floater because, you know, he's John Moran. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. has really let Memphis down in terms of, you know, being that big man that they need. He can't really stay on the floor. But in the later games of the series. Bran Clark? Brandon Clark? Yeah. Man. He has been phenomenal. Him and Dylan Brooks... I don't know what it is about these Canadians. Canadian boys. Maybe they just make it up here in the yes, north. Sir. But when the the you know going gets tough, we get going because man, them Canadian boys have really stepped up for Memphis. Desmond Bain, I will say it every single time I bring him up, we could have had this man is so good. Like what he was seven of eight and a half from three. Oh, just he kept them in that game. They're a deep, deep squad, and that's why I'm really shocked the Wolves are still in this. It's funny, right? There's so many ways that I could take this, but you talk about how they make so many rookie mistakes. Anthony Edwards, big ego, first time in the playoff stage. Cat, I mean, we've seen his mentality, first real time on the playoff stage. D'Angelo Russell, who is potentially being the best player for the team overall, just in terms of everything he's doing 
for this team, right? Which isn't good. So, so like this is this is why you're looking at this T Wolves team and like, yes, the talent is there. But is it enough? You know, you have the dog mentality of Beverly, you know, chugging them, chugging them, chugging them along. But at the end of the day, I'm still, I still got to stick with the with the Grizzlies, man. I still got to stick with Jaw. What he did, that dunk, man, it's got to be the dunk of the year. It's got to be so many things. The fact that the crowd was out of it and that dunk just like brought everybody back, like insane. Can I just say one thing about the dunk? Because I think it was an amazing dunk and he definitely deserved it. Um, Malik Beasley's feet were kind of set. Absolutely, it was it Absolutely. was kind of a charge. <laughs> um, if you're gonna call NBA rules to the T, um, Malik Beasley's feet were set. But again, that's what the superstars get in this league. They get the advantage when they're attacking, and we we can't take that dunk away from John Morant. That's what the refs <laughs> are thinking to themselves right there. There's <laughs> no way. It's a bang bang play. We'll just we'll just let it go. We'll let it go. <laughs> Could you imagine the media storm? You know, in the morning of. This this dunk was called against him. This could have been the greatest dunk of all time. We could have had amazingness for John. It's just another one of his shoulda, coulda, woulda. No, guys, just give him the dunk. It was clean. And the way he floats to avoid, to quote-unquote avoid the contact, y'all. Super impressive from Jaw. The the end game, you know, layup was actually probably more impressive. You know, he did get away. Oh, yeah. And it is, it is Vanderbilt, so, you know, he's not exactly the, the biggest guy who's going to stop you in the center. But it's going to be a good series regardless of how the rest of it goes great finish man game six on friday i know i'm gonna be in tuning into that one intently because it's been fun man i even jaws kind of struggled at certain points in this series he showed that like you know year two version of himself the reason that you know this year was such an, a more improved why he wins the uh, most improved player award um because he's showing it like it's almost like some games I'm year two, some years I'm this year, some games I'm this year's John Moran. He's been really, really good in some games and average in others, but his team around him, man, they've been able to pick up the slack. The Grizzlies should win this series. It's just, it's it's how it should happen. But at the end of the day, with how Ant-Man has been playing, with how Cat, you know, seems to have a bad game and a good game and a bad game and then a good game, hopefully that lines up with when Ant is, is going to go off, right? Like, there's so many different ways to think about it, but... Matt, if we're done talking about this series, I think we have to talk about the most improved player award. Because Jaw was the victor at the end of the day. He was the guy who got the award. But the man didn't even open it up. He took it right over to Desmond's Bane house. He plopped it on his kitchen table and was like, this one's for you, fam. I don't need it. And it was a pretty interesting race if you break it down from some of these young guys that were below Jaw. Absolutely, man. I mean, Jaw did increase his scoring rate by almost eight points a game while being you know, way more efficient um, across the board. But at the end of the day, there was a guy out in San Antonio that I really, really think deserved it. Um, you know, DeJounte Murray, without any real kind of superstar or, or even all-star caliber player on his team, almost had a triple-double for the season. I mean, 21-9-8 and eight is ridiculous he had two steals a game he was their main cog on offense and defense um i didn't see that coming from this player but at 25 years old man he is a star and Dejounte second in the voting behind jaw i think he was like 50 points or so behind him let's not forget this guy put up what 11 triple doubles this season and got sick right before the play-in lost eight pounds didn't drag his team through this could be a different award if they won that play-in game, right? The conversation of what you've done for me now is going on. But, yes, he was there. But there was a couple other guys that I want to bring up as well. Obviously, Bane, who 
doubled his points, doubled his steals, raised his efficiency in certain things. Like, fourth place member of this race, very deservingly. And then the other two names in Jordan Poole, who we've seen what is happening out in Golden State with the, the splash trio right now. And the last name to mention is Darius Garland, who was a key member of this Cavs cog. Exciting for all of these young guys to be fighting for this award. You know, obviously it is kind of a, a young guy's award, but there's a lot of good young rookies on these different teams and a lot of different situations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the fact that Desmond Bain was also so fabulous in Jaw's absence. I mean, what did they go like 25, 24 and two oh, and something four or something like without yeah. him? So that to me, I think should have counted against Jaw. But again, you know, he's the most electric thing in sports. Um, if, if I'm going to buy a ticket to go to an NBA game and the Grizz are in town, that's the game that I want to go see because he has been an absolute monster. Um, I do love what Jordan Poole's doing, you know, out with the Golden State. The fact that his playoffs have been this good, I think, show yeah. you how improved he is because um, it wasn't just like a, a fluke in the season, like, you know, regular season basketball, taking advantage of garbage minutes. He's actually doing it. I heard them being called uh, the Bay Bombers, which I, I kind of really like. So if you want to talk about the Bay Bombers now that we've done the MIP award, I'm in, man. I mean, I think that's the, the right place to go, this Golden State team. They put the MVP Jokic away. A 4-1 series. You know, I'm over here sad because I said it was going to go 7 for the Nuggets. I don't know what kind of something I was on that day making that type of prediction. Bruh. But Golden State, man, they look good. They look here. They're looking healthy. Another important thing that we've realized when it comes to playoff basketball. And at the end of the day, man, you know, Golden State might be the answer. They might be the way that's coming through when you look at Phoenix. Absolutely. The fact that they destroyed the MVP candidate in Jokic and probably winner in Jokic. The fact that that series wasn't really competitive for a guy who is averaging 31, 13, and 6. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want Nikola Jokic to do? The NBA media absolutely killing this man, saying that he's, you know, an empty stat stuffer that is, you know, points and rebounds don't count only in the regular season he did have a rough game one and two i'm not gonna lie but since then he has been an absolute machine and they don't even get close i mean last night it was close until you know steph curry decides hey i'm just gonna pull up from three and take that you know seven point lead cut it down to one and now you guys got nothing because we just hit from anywhere and and the way curry closed that game out too with his off-ball movement getting free off of a double screen after the lockdown like boys we can't let this happen and it's and it's sad right the conversation now spins for the nuggets of well do you just run it back because if you're healthy this is a series right if you have the matchups of porter if you have the matchups with murray you look at the way that aaron gordon played in this series he stepped up you know not amazing but he stepped up enough to at least help Jokic a little bit right you know um, I think they lost... Who, who'd they lose right at the end there? They lost... Um, I'll, I'll come back it. to me. You, you talk. I'll, I'll come back to me. Honestly, if you know Aaron Gordon is your third or fourth best option, that's a decent roster and a, and a good championship aspirational squad. Like, I think 
Murray would have provided a lot better defense on a guy like Steph Curry. He would have locked in more. Michael Porter Jr. would have been able to handle Klay Thompson a little bit, you know, and going back and forth with Jordan Poole. Like, there's so many other aspects when you add in those players. And even DeMarcus Cousins had a pretty good game. Career playoff high of 19, which I thought was wild that that's only his career playoff high. But, you know, guy was in Sacramento during his heyday. Yes, and it was it was uh, Austin Rivers, actually, who got injured, who was playing fantastic defense for this team. So, yeah, the Nuggets are good, man. They're good, you know. It's crazy that is this the third year now, I feel like I'm saying, just run it back? You know, like, I, we, we just keep saying it over and over for this team, but you know that they're good, and if it can all work out, they're going to break through. Run it back healthy, and this team has a legitimate shot at getting to the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, and I, I totally believe that. I mean, isn't Jokic like 24, 25, 26? I don't know. He's young. He's Giannis young, so we're good. Oh, man, I think he's uh, 26. Yeah. So, oh, he's 27. He's 27. Either way, Giannis young, basically. Maybe a little, a little bit older, but it doesn't matter. Not the point. He's, he's younger game, than Giannis. He, and he's not, he's not predicated on athleticism, so you know, his intelligence is going to stay the same throughout throughout the rest of his career. Let's not forget. Dude, no, but, he's smack dab in the middle of his prime. Absolutely, right at the beginning of it. So Denver's going to be fine. Golden State, anything else you want to say on Golden State? Because like, I feel like you know they're the first team to go through in the West, so we can talk about their series when it either starts or when it's about to start You know, come next week. Dude, all I'm going to say is that uh, the Grizz and the Wolves probably have no shot against them. <laughs> um, I think the Grizz provide a better matchup um, in terms of what they can do, but I don't think either team can stop this kind of Steph Curry, this kind of Jordan Poole, and Klay Thompson's back, baby. Klay Thompson is back. It's It's been really impressive. They're, they seem prime. Steve Kerr has these boys rolling Draymond looks like the defensive player of the year center that he's been for years for this team. So yeah, man, Gold State is is primed and ready to make it all the way. But shall we talk about the last series in the West, Matt? The the most exciting, but also least exciting, because I don't even know what is going on in this series series. It's kind of like the least exciting for me because you didn't have Luka in the first three games, and yet the, the Mavs were up 2-1. Luka comes back and integrating him into the roster, I, I get that that takes some time and takes away from people's rhythm and, and Jalen Brunson had to get used to it and you know all this, so the Jazz sneaked that one out, but at the end of the day, you I just think the Mavs are going to easily close it out in Game 6 now that Luka's back, you know, they've won that other game. Donovan Mitchell kind of got hurt in the last one. I know he finally passed to you know go bear for a game winner in, in game four but Matt literally the fact that people are talking about how the game winner in game four was such a big deal if it wasn't for that game winner the series is over I'm sorry the series is over it's a 4-1 sweep now yes for Gobert to get a game winner on you know the first assist which I think may have almost been the first pass to him that game from Donald Mitchell, is hilarious. Like, it's so funny, the fact that it happened, and it's classic for Luka's career. But at the end of the day, the Mavs have proven that they are the better team. They have a better system. Jason Kidd is probably the better coach here. And Quinn Snyder, man, you know, he's had a good team. They've had opportunities, but there's something brewing in Salt Lake City and it's not a good thing at this point there's just too much dysfunction in that locker room when 
you're mentioning the fact that the game winner was maybe the first pass and was the first assist of the game from your best player to your second best player, Yikes. there are things that are wrong. Um, that really wraps it up for the West, though, man. I don't know if I really want to talk about this anymore because, you know, Luka Magic's probably just going to end it tonight. Let's go out East where all but one of the series is over, man. We've got, you know, Heat pulling through against the Hawks and... Wow, was that a bad series for Trey Young? I mean, it's kind of insane that he had what one good, one good game. You know, we could have one good Trey game and mediocre not game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, the guy was ice cold. The fact that the Heat could sit Jimmy and Kyle in Game Five and still pull out the W, like, you know, credit to Spolstra. He he coached the heck out of this series, and there's a reason that Miami is the number one seed. And honestly. As much as I hate to say this for the Hawks, Miami, Boston, Bucks, even Philly, any of these teams probably would have walked over them in the first round. Yeah, I think Atlanta just didn't have enough, especially after Clint Capella went down. Their whole offense revolves around Trey, but Trey has to be one of the most electric offensive players to even be considered a top 20 player. Uh, He just has to be because his defense is just so swiss cheese like and so at the end of the day they just don't they can't pull through with that they need some extra you know extra pieces around him to to kind of compensate you know for for that defense and the fact that he only scored 18 points a game on like i think like 30 percent of from the field or whatever 36 in that range like he was, I think, the 84th best scorer out of 85 who have played the certain amount of minutes in the playoffs up until that point. Like, he had just not been good, and that's tough for him, man. He was knocking on the door of superstardom, and he's definitely taken a step back. You know, the team has to figure out their next steps because they made a good call by bringing in Bogdanovich. I'm not going to say bringing in Gallinari was a good call, but bringing in contracts, bringing in things before you signed Trey to his next deal so that you seemingly had the pieces before you had to pay your superstar. The problem is, Gallinari was a bad contract. I said it from the beginning. I'll continue to say it. He's not been good for this team. And, you know, you look at how Cam Reddish wanted out. You look at how John Collins maybe doesn't know if he wants to stay, right? Like, this team is dealing with some interesting situations, and I don't know if that starts with Trey. I don't know if Trey can do things to alleviate these issues, but Atlanta's got to figure it out if they want to be competitive in this Eastern Conference for years to come. Yeah, it's... I'm going to bring it back to your Gallinari thing, because at the end of the day, Gallinari is a bucket, but he is probably one of the worst defenders, and probably the worst defender for his size in the NBA. And so... When you have a walking bucket in Trey Young, you need to fill it with defense, not with other walking buckets, because Gallinari Gallinari needs the ball in his hands. He needs to be able to take his shots, too. But then you have to make up for him on the defensive end, and with him and Trey on the floor, that's two out of your five players that are defensively deficient, which is going to burn you, man. I mean, we saw it in the Boston-Brooklyn series. When Brooklyn needed a stop... Boston ran their perfect offense. Boom, 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 easy layup. Boom, 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 easy three. Brooklyn could get in the game with their scoring, but they were hitting crazy, crazy tough shots after tough shot after tough shot. And then Boston would go down the floor. Oh, you guys need to stop right now? No, no, no. This is too easy for us. We're going to pass, 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 easy dunk. 
the the only other thing I have to say about the Hawks is, you know, I look at Bogdanovich, right? Another bucket, but maybe not... He's, he's good defensively, but he's not great defensively, so Hawks have to figure some things out. Miami, we'll talk about them next week when we talk about who they're facing, because I don't even want to think about that right now, because that's a conversation for another for time. Later. So let's talk about Boston. You already kind of mentioned it. They walked over Brooklyn. They swept these guys out of the building. The preseason favorites, Matt, are gone. Nets betters right now, punching the air, so upset, you know, from the decisions they made months ago. Goran Drogic's in his high aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that really gets me before we talk more about basketball is, is Kyrie's comments, you know. For him to come out and talk about how, you know, this team just needs more time together, you know, I, f- I feel like I let the team down in the regular season, all of these things. You know, at the end of the day, his choice was his choice. And with James Harden, maybe this is a different series, but your team wasn't good enough. You didn't have enough of a game plan going into the playoffs. And unfortunately... You, paced, you had to face what most people are considering the contender out of the East right now. So all of these things really just kind of piled up for, for this sweep that we ended up seeing. Look, the fact that they lost James Harden and Ben Simmons didn't play a minute in this series um, definitely hurt them. And I think that with Ben Simmons, it is more competitive. And these games, all four of them were quite competitive games. I mean, oh, yeah. game one came down to a last-second layup. Um, all of them were within, you know, five or six points with a few minutes to go. And, you know, Brooklyn just couldn't pull it out. There's a great Nick Wright, Nick Wright tweet about how close it was and if, if Brooklyn only had a closer, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just got easily shut down like that and Boston just dared the other players on this team to beat them, like, who are you going to beat them with, Bruce Brown? No, Cam Thomas, no, couldn't even get in the series. Like, it's just brutal to think that they thought that just because the two of them are some of the most elite offensive players, and don't get me wrong, the things that Kyrie does with the ball is magical, and Kevin Durant is still one of the greatest players in the NBA, but we have to start looking at his legacy a little bit differently, and the fact that he did blow that 3-1 series lead to Golden State and hasn't really looked that bad since until now until he's back on his own playoff squad and face it faced with a, a tough task i mean lebron james in his prime you take a 34 year old lebron james and you put him on the the nets instead of kevin durant they probably get to game seven if not by boston in my opinion and let's also not forget you know a james harden injury a KD shoe size, right? And the Bucks aren't champions, they're champions, and they don't make the trade. Like, that's the beauty of the NBA, right? There's so many different realities of way things can go, but you have to live in the moment. You have to play the basketball that is in front of you. And, man, Brooklyn just kind of gave up, man. They really, like, yes, competitive series all the way. But game four, man, they rolled over. And, you know, it... it I don't know if that's, you know, Nash not being able to come up with any type of coaching scheme or if it is just the players themselves not having enough. Brooklyn really could have used Ben Simmons, that's for sure. They just they just fell flat, man, and Boston is here to play. And he's talking about the fact that his mental injury is what's triggering his back injury. So, like, it's not looking good for Ben Simmons. Somebody in his, you know, circle of close circle of friends really needs to to get him right because it's sad to see what was once an electric player 
not even being able to compete at this level anymore. It's it's quite sad. Um, so Brooklyn's got a lot of soul searching to do this off season. You know, Kyrie might be right that you know just another year, some time without the pandemic, without you know him being able to not play in home games. They might have a better shot next year. They still have the two of them and maybe a healthy Ben Simmons. But, man, losing to Boston like that, that's got to be embarrassing. Absolutely. And there, there is a massive conversation around health, right? Like, there are injuries left and right. We've seen a call an ambulance at this point for some of these players because Booker, Middleton, Fred, Mitchell, Simmons. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip on Simmons a little bit. But also, I'm going to tell Simmons... You know, this happens. He's got to figure it out. But we've seen so much. And then you want to talk about protocols, right? We saw Paul George a while back who missed his. And now we saw Zach Levine, who isn't going to get to play. Didn't get to play in that last game. And the Bucks. I mean, we knew the Bulls were probably not getting through anyways. But when you miss out on one of your major stars, we see how that can affect a team. And Bucks are through. Yeah, buddy. I mean, they're still missing Middleton over in Milwaukee. And... Before the end of the third quarter, I'm watching that game. Giannis has 32 <laughs> points. Chicago has 64. Uh, yeah, and the the Bucks were up, I think, 20, 28 at that point, 27. So it was it was pretty much in hand for Giannis and the boys. He was a monster last night, and I think this is why I have so much faith in them moving forward is because who is going to stop this man? I understand Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have maybe more of a, a bag, quote-unquote, and <laughs> you have deeper tricks, but can you stop this man from getting to the rim and dunking and laying it up and getting to the free throw line? And free throws haven't been a big major struggle this year so far. Who's going to stop him? It's, it's going to be a very interesting series. And I love about how you talk about who's going to stop Giannis. And, you know, Giannis is still kind of finesse-like, even though he's this bull in a china shop going to them. He isn't just, like, aggressively throwing his body at people like somebody else we know. But that's that's a conversation for another time. Let's, let's stick in the series that we're in now. Uh, man, I, I feel bad for the Bulls. Like, I want to take it back to the Bulls a little bit before we praise Giannis, because we're going to be praising Giannis for, I think, weeks to come at this point. You know, the Caruso injury was big for them. Really unfortunate what happened there. Obviously, you know, um, Lonzo played 35 games maybe this season for this team. And those were games when they were looking really, really good. So the Bulls are in a weird place because are they going to be enough? Can they be competitive? Zach Levine is looking at a five-year, $200 million max contract that needs to be signed this offseason like... I don't really know what to do about the Bulls at this point. Honestly, if I was them, I'd probably try and run it back because with a healthy squad, they were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And even in this series, and especially in Game 5 last night for me watching, you know they've got a piece in DeMar DeRozan that can consistently drive and kick. And I think in the NBA um, and in basketball, you have to be able to find the open man because uh, if you can if you can create you know where two defenders draw to one guy, there's gonna be somebody who's open. You're gonna get the defense scrambling, yep. and you're gonna hit those open shots more often than not. Just Caruso is one of their best three point shooters. Lonzo Ball is one of their best three point shooters. Zach Levine's one of their best three point shooters. And last night they didn't have any of them. So you know, yes, De- 
DeMar still had Kobe White and Nikola Vucevic, who are decent three-point shooters, but he's got nobody else on his team. And yeah. Patrick Williams had a big game last night for, for him and has a very similar profile to Scotty, the legend Barnes. So, you know, he could, you know, develop in the summertime, especially under the tutelage of, of a DeMar DeRozan. Um, so I think they run it back, man, because I think they've got a solid roster. They're kind of more like us in terms of, you know, we, we're deep one through seven or eight. The the only thing that worries me is that I look at this roster as trying to be Golden State, right? Because Vucevic is slightly undersi- undersized, right? And so you look at the Eastern Conference with Giannis, with Embiid, right? Like, this team could use a true big center. So while I agree with the idea of running it back, I look as I look at Vucevic, which is still crazy. I think he's only got a, a year or two left on his contract now. I look at Vucevic as the potential option. If you're going to change anything, maybe he goes. Because, you know, shout out, yeah, you're right. Pat Pat Williams played fantastic, and, you know, he's going to be great. But can can he place enough center minutes, right? Like, so it's going to be really interesting to see. Dude, at the end of the day, though, like how many big centers are in the NBA that can really bang with a guy like Embiid and Giannis? So it's tough. I think the Bucs are going to have their hands full with the Celtics, especially without Chris Middleton. Um, I really don't know if um, they're going to have enough to get by the Celtics, except for the fact that I have so much faith in Giannis, and Drew Holiday can really lock up a guy like Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart. I think it's going to be a very competitive, competitive series, and it's probably going to go to the distance for me, in, in my opinion. I think it's going to go seven games, and I think the fact that Celtics have home court might play into their favor, but the fact that the Bucks have Giannis just tilts it for me, man. It just tilts it. It's a beautiful series to be ready for. Shout out. Obviously, Drew Holiday is the winner of this year's Time and Stokes Teammate of the Year. You, everyone loves Drew Holiday out in Milwaukee. He does everything for this team, but he needs to be a little bit better in this next round if they want to get through Boston because the matchups are going to be weird. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about it more come next week because... There's going to be so much to talk about in this series. We're going to see if Giannis can get through the potential wall that Boston might be able to set up. I don't know. Best defense, you know. What's the way to put it? It's a, a unstoppable gonna, object meets an immovable object, you know, the classic. Immovable force. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and exactly. At the end of the day, Boston's going to have to try and replicate that 2019, um, you know, Raptors defense where we had Kawhi funnel into the trees that were Ibaka and Gasol. But I think that you know they they don't have enough i don't think tatum is at the level that Kawhi was at as a defender and i don't think al horford and uh, robert williams are ibaka and and marcus all-esque um i think gasol was too big um which really helped us and so we'll see how it goes man i it's a seven game series in my mind though it's gonna be so much fun but it's only the second most exciting thing probably on the horizon because Matt over here is losing it. He's getting excited. He's getting shaky because we are like six hours away from game six. Raptors, Philadelphia. The Toronto Raptors have almost regained control of this series. We're still in a hole. Can never not say that we are in a hole. But man, am I pumped that the season is still alive. If the refs had called the technical foul on Doc Rivers... (laughs) <laughs> if Joel Embiid doesn't hit that shot, we are winning this series right now 3-2 and have a closeout game at home 
in front of the the Raptors crowd, which was phenomenal. I mean, Jurassic Park out in the rain, in the cold rain for Game 5, while Philly fans were booing them in the second quarter and leaving the building. Um, The Joel Embiid hand injury has really helped turn the series for us because he can't be his usual dominant self. And as much as I love Freddie, Freddie needs to rest up because he wasn't giving us that plus defense that we're used to, and his shooting was also off because of the injuries. So now that we have our 6-9 lineup in, the boys have been just far, head and shoulders, the better team in the last two games. I I really believe that game four and game five, they never really felt in doubt to me. I think since game three, Philly's led for like something like seven minutes total of gameplay wild it, I, I mean I mentioned it last week right you know I slightly I slid it in there you know that that losing that OT game was the opposite of winning the OT game against um, the Bucks, no right and I, and I felt I felt that momentum and I've seen it over this past week these two games that the boys have played the way that our rotations are coming together you know the, the way that I mean, we'll talk about Pascal in a bit because I still got to rip Matt a little bit later. But that's a couple minutes away. We'll rip give him a little bit to cool down. But I'm just, I'm so proud of this team, right? Because, you know, you look at the way that Boston made Brooklyn just roll over. And the boys came out, and thankfully, you know, we were at home, and our fans never give up. You will never see Scotiabank Arena leaving and emptying in the fourth quarter if the boys are down. They could be down 30. I bet you that arena still stays. I bet you the crowd is still going because that's just the fan base that we have. You're calling about the boys being out in the rain, you know? Jurassic Park, let's go. That's what we like to see. But, man, we're still alive. We're still fighting. And there's there's so many little moments and things that we could talk about from these past few games, Matt. But the one thing I have to bring up, the best moment of the series. It's that, it's that young, man. Taking him off the dribble, putting him beat on the ground and nailing that shot. Bro, I was smiling from ear to to ear when that happened they've been going at Embiid man I mean game five we went like I think six or seven straight plays at Embiid he was looking tired the boys were just attacking precious OG Pascal and that's the thing about this huge lineup that we have right like all of them are so similar and what they can do in terms of their athletic length their you know power and it's really throwing fits for Philadelphia because James Harden I mean I don't know how many times I've watched in the last two games him call for a switch and then call for another switch and then call for another switch and it's just literally like a, a carbon copy player in front of him I'm six eight six nine I've got a seven foot long wingspan and you are going nowhere James how many times has he settled for step back threes he's over 10 on floaters which used to be his bread and butter and so Every Philadelphia fan right now is talking about they need a James Harden game. They need James Harden to step up and be that guy. And as much as, you know, he has done it in the past and he has a track record in the history, I'd be shocked if he did it. I would be, man, because the Raptors have found something that is just locking him up. Scotty locks him up. OG locks him up. And then when he gets the switches on Thad, on Precious, on Boucher, on Siakam, I mean, he's going nowhere. And Gary Trent is bigger than the boy. Man, Gary Trent's been a monster in the last few games, too. Shout out to Gary Trent. Our defense is locked in. You can shout out as many players as you want because they all deserve it. But the man at the helm, Nikki Nurse, our boy and 
Assistant coach Fred Van Vliet, let's not forget that the man over there looking pretty, pretty fly in his, you know, street clothes, let's say. But yeah, man, Nick Nurse has these boys rolling. They've got the team going. You know, I don't even I don't even know how to not be excited, right? Because at the end of the day, we've seen some exciting things, right? You you wanna talk about you wanna talk about the Scotty moment? The back to back um uh, what did he have? The two the the two dimes for the alley oops to quiet the, no the crowd. Like, come on, back to back. That's our rookie of the year right there. The like, no look one to Precious. <laughs> Marissa, we're watching the game. Marissa goes, he did that no look. I was like, yeah, it's Scotty Barnes. He's been doing that all year. So, like, it's beautiful, right? Like, the fact that we can shut a crowd out like that. The fact that Boucher has found his game. That that is playing with the energy that he is. Ken Birch quietly getting beat up by Embiid. Taking fouls. You know, taking abuse down in the post. But... It's working for us, and he's getting his minutes, and he's going to hopefully be an important team member. Like, there's so many beautiful things, and that's why we've captured the momentum. That's why it feels so good going into Scotiabank tonight, right? Like, I, I, I can't not be pumped. Look, Game 5 was amazing, and, and Pascal Siakam, have yourself a game, man. Like, 34 points. He was so close to a triple-double. He was an absolute monster in that game, and his shot was falling and he was getting to the line and then that's why I was really nervous about game five because Embiid's clapping for the refs we've been to Philadelphia we've been you know really really out refed there and even though like I could make a comment that the game was a little bit more towards the 76ers side in Philadelphia the boys didn't back down and Siakam his shot wasn't falling at the rate that it was in game four but he didn't back down and he didn't force anything he made the plays that were in front of him which is just all that i ask for of siakam man and honestly if he can pull out the next two games i will stop my siakam slander forever because i'm just traumatized from the demar Derozan era where unfortunately we ran up against lebron constantly and demar just didn't have it in him to beat lebron whereas siakam seems to have it in, in himself to beat Embiid. And that is just something that is so enticing to me. I think I think I used those words last week that, you know, we were looking at a new Demar situation for Pascal. I think that triggered you and just that set you off and all that PTSD. Because, yeah, we as Raptors fans have gone through it. Look at Chicago fans right now who are being told, this is what you deserve. We all knew Demar was... No, stop it, people, right? Like... It's a different story. Pascal has proved himself. It's a it's a it's a micro story of the season that we've seen from Pascal, and and I just want to see more. I want to have them keep it going. You know, Precious has been huge both offensively, defensively, forcing turnovers, the hustle. Like we just have to keep doing what we're doing and playing our brand of basketball, and I think it's going to turn out. Man, the crazy thing is, is that we still haven't had like a lights out game from three yet that our shooting has been poor i think in the last the two wins i'm i think we're shooting under 30 percent from three but it's our defense you're right that is holding us in this game and it's the boys just working as a unit i mean scotty doing scotty things not needing to be you know the lead focal point siakam deferring to teammates when he is getting clamped up when there is too much traffic in the lane and he's fighting through tobias harris tobias harris has probably been the best 76er of the series and pascal is fighting through him and gary trent man 
he he's really stepped up to the player that I thought he was going to be in this series. Game three, four, and five, he's back to being the Gary Trent that we saw during the regular season. He's going right at Tyrese Maxey. He's slowing Maxey down. He's, you know, just he's been phenomenal and precious, baby. You were so right about precious. This man, where he was at the beginning of the season to now, if it was an in-season award for most improved player, it's <laughs> got to be Precious. It's it's so impressive to see all of these little things, all of the little improvements, but that's what we kind of expect out of our team. That's what we've come to know out of them, right? Like There's a, there's a culture in place with Toronto. There is a system in place with Nikki Nurse and... You know, you talk about how Thad has come in, and and you know the the positive words he's had to the media about the system, about what's going on, about how much he's appreciated. And man, we're winning a rebounding game. Honestly, I think it just comes down to the fact that we're winning the rebounding game over and over and over. We're not shooting well, but we we're shooting more shots, right? I remember there was a point in the regular season where we were on like one of our big winning stretches. It was either right before, or right after the All Star break, and I was pulling. You know, I I love those random stats I was giving you all the time. We had a streak of like twelve or thirteen games where we just put up more shots. And I think we won like eighty percent of those games. So if we can keep rebounding, if we can keep taking the shots that are open, looking for the right plays, the boys can get a W tonight, and that's what I'm looking to see. I can't wait. It's going to be a great game. And the Scotiabank faithful are going to be out loud and proud. You talk about Precious. Precious in the uh, in the post game interview talking about how he you know he needs the fans to come out and be ready to go. Well, they're going to be there, my friend. They're going to be there. Yeah, and in the last two games, we've turned them over a total of thirty times, which has given yes. us extra extra chances. It's put us out into transition more, which we need as you know Raptors players. We need that Fast easy break. buckets. Even though our half-court offense has been pretty good. But it just felt like we kind of have controlled this series in the last two for sure, if not three. And the 76ers don't seem to have a counterpunch. We took a beating, and we held on to that you know, spot, and we've, we've started throwing haymakers, and it doesn't seem like they've got a, a counterpunch, man. And I'm just nervous for game six. Because the refs need to call it fairly, and the boys need to come out and really put a stamp on it. And we've had great starts to this this season and the series specifically. Like maybe game one, you could say was our worst start of the series, but I think we were out like seven to two at one point. And so we've just got to hold it and hold it and just you know put more and more doubt into their mind that they can't beat us. Because if we get there for Game 7, man, I honestly have a great feeling and anything can happen in a Game 7. We just got to get there. The, the boys are playing with house money, right? And, you know, I, I hear a lot of Philly fans talking about how tonight's game is house money for Philadelphia. I'm like, well, if that's the case, then the last two games have also been house money for you guys. And you're just, that's what you're thinking about over and over. But the Raps really are sitting here with an opportunity to do something. And the pressure's off. The pressure's off, and we've got young guys. We've got players that are ready. We're, quote-unquote, becoming healthy. Rest up, Fred. Rest up, King. We need you healthier for later. But it's just it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be exciting. Game 6 tonight is going to be a banger. I'm throwing on the Lowry jersey. 2-0 in elimination games. We'll see if we can keep it going. Man, I hope we can. I think we can, just with the boys doing their thing, 
They're too long. They're too athletic at the moment for Philadelphia. And Joel Embiid just doesn't look like himself, man. The the best part for me about what's going on in Philadelphia is that they look like a discombobulated team. They're calling each other out after the game. They're calling out their coach. Their coach is defending his playoff history and record. They're not as focused as we seem to be and as Nick Nurse has seemed to made the Toronto Raptors. I love what he said after, you know, the 3 nothing loss, that history has to start somewhere, and once you get it to 3-1, that's been done before. And 3-2's definitely been done before. And this man has us to believe believing in ourselves and putting doubt in the mind of, of Philadelphia. Just one more game to get to that elusive Game 7. And I almost feel like it has to go to Game 7 because it's a Raps Philadelphia series. Right. Like, when does it not go to Game 7 and end in dramatic fashion? And yeah, yeah, Scotty, baby Skyhook to close this series. But too far ahead of ourselves. Let's not talk about that. Let's not think about it. I got to shout out Danny Green. The guy has hit some insane three-pointers on us, but every night he ends like two of six. So, you know, keep that up, buddy. I, I love you, Four Danny. of nine in the last one. Yeah, yeah same thing, basically. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so it's, it's really going to come down to if, you know, Philly's guys can make it happen if... If Tyrese can have another game because he came out swinging to start this series. If Harden can have a game. If, I mean, let's be honest. If Embiid drops 40 and 15, we probably lose this game. It's just a fact. But that's only if our other guys aren't doing things right. If this isn't happening. Because if we have the perfect game, if our guys are clicking on all ends, I see us pulling it out. Well, I don't even know if we need the perfect game. That's the best part. We haven't had a perfect game yet. OG in our two wins hasn't shot the ball well from three. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam's shot wasn't falling at a, at an amazing rate, you know, in game five, and yet he was still able to facilitate and still able to rebound. And Precious, man, has had some, some gut-wrenching moments in this series and has been able to cut, bounce back and just go at Embiid. It... It looks like he's figured him out a little bit in terms of what he needs to do to be successful against Embiid. And I could not be more proud of the squad, man. I could not be more proud of Pascal Siakam. Um, I hope he, he stops my slander, man. I hope I never never get to slander that man again because that'd make me happy. And, and the other exciting thing to add on to those comments is when we look to the future, right? When we look past this series, because there there is going to be a past this series, there is a future... The intelligence from some of our younger players to find that adaptability over the course of the series, to find out how to play, and whether that's them doing it or whether that's Nurse, you know, bringing them along with them, that gives me so much hope for the next series that we get to be in, for the next years of playoffs that we're going to get to see, because th this team has proven that they're here to stay. Absolutely, and I think we have the right pieces in place. The NBA has been, you know, about long athletic wings since Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, you know, ran rough shot through it. And we've got a potentially four or five long athletic wing players. And that's just music to my ears, man. Exciting. Game six tonight. The only thing to look ahead at is game six tonight. Anything else when it comes to the Raptors, my friend? Oh man. I could talk about the Raptors for days, but <laughs> yeah. I think we're good to wrap it up with some hot takes and some mystic predictions. 
Perfect. Well, I mean, I'm going to make Matt happy right here tonight with my prediction. I think Luca's going to wave goodbye to the Jazz fans tonight. Everyone's talking about how the Jazz are going to win and then the Mavs are going to take it on to Game 7. Nah, I think Luca's going to have one of those performances and it's bye-bye Jazz tonight. Oh, I totally agree with you, man. I mean, I was surprised that they even got this far uh, <laughs> after losing two out of the three non-Luca games. Um, I think the Pels force a Game 7, man. I think it's been too magical of a run for Phoenix. And as much as they are, they were the head and shoulders best team in the NBA this year, I don't think that they're the deepest team in the NBA, which is kind of scary to say. And I don't think they have the top-end star talent of some of the teams in the NBA. And so I think this is a real good wake-up call for them. And I think the Pelicans push them to Game 7. I don't think the Pelicans win in Game 7, but they definitely get there. I mean, if Booker ain't going to play Game 6, he's coming back for Game 7, if that's for sure. And I think he'll help push them over the top, and no problem. But that's got to be it for takes. That's got to be it for predictions. Is that it for the pod today, Matt? Anything else on your mind? Oh, man, I think you're good to wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe. Give us that thumbs up. Check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.